Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh. Good morning. Good morning, Jack. Hi, Deb. Hi. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Are we are we early or late? <laughs> I think we're on time. I have ten o'clock. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes. If everyone else is late, and I have I was taking my camera a while to pick <laughs> up. Morning, Reverend Kelly. There she is. Hi. Hi. I'm sitting here. I'm like, where is everybody? And then I realized I logged into our private room. By the way, I can talk kind of. Um, I logged into the private room instead of the classroom. (laughs) I was like, it's eight o'clock. Where are they? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was saying. I wonder if some people have just not quite got on the same time schedule. Well, I taught Benjamin is on a plane at this moment going to Honduras. Oh. Um, he will he promised me he has internet down there. So God bless him. Um he'll be there for the next month. Um and Brian is just having internet issues and said he'll be late. Which leaves us only with Nathan. Who Nathan's never late. Where's Nathan? Yeah, I'm like, where's Nathan? (laughs) I got the wrong view. How are you? Susan, was he at class on Sunday? Good morning. Yes, he was. We missed you again. Did he bring your book to you? He did. Yes. Thank you, Jack. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Sorry it took so long to get it back. No, you could... You could have borrowed it as long as you want. Yeah, I appreciate it. What's your cat's name, Susan? <laughs> this imposing body. <laughs> What's your cat's name? Name is Baki. Baki? It, yeah, it's pretty funny. I well, I don't know if it's funny, but ever since he was little, he'd always, you know, he lick, 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 lick. You know, gives you little kisses. So I named him Baki because I looked it up, and that's what it is in Italian. Oh. About two years later, my parents said, no, it's not. It's like bocce. Oh. <laughs> so he, has the wrong, he has the American version. <laughs> Hi, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Hello, I was when you said that. I was thinking bok choy. I'm like, I can't believe she named her cat after a vegetable. <laughs> no. Uh... <clears throat> Sorry, I've got two more bites of yogurt to go. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, breakfast. You got your voice back, like, full-time now? Mostly. It's still like yesterday it hurt a little bit. Um, but I'm talking, but I haven't had the doctor confirm yet. So I'll see him Thursday to see if it's actually healed all the way or if it's just functioning but not healed. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
done with the yogurt. <laughs> I am going to have to leave probably five, six minutes early. Okay. Seven. Um, so I'll let you know before we start the last section, I'll let you know who's going to do the closing prayer. And then I'll just turn off my video. Mm -hmm. um, Kiri has to go to the salon and get her hair cut today. So <laughs> she has a 10 o'clock appointment, which is why I'm in the office. Her groomer is walking distance to the office. So. Oh, isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> She's become a big furball again. <laughs> Make sure you post a picture of her. I will. Okay. <laughs> On Facebook. I like watching. <laughs> She'll look like a little puppy. Everybody's always like, how young is she? She's a little puppy after I give her a haircut. And I'm like, no. <laughs> looks that way. Did you see my post? I had the most miraculous event happen this yesterday. I don't know if anybody saw it. I don't think, you know, I don't think I saw it. You like it, so I don't think you saw it. Yeah, I, I like it. Did you? Okay. Is that oh, crazy? Yeah. Keys. You got your keys? Yeah, about my keys. Yeah. Great. So Nathan and Jack are like, what? Facebook? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I lost a shirt. Ugh. This is the problem of being in the office. 8018. Okay. You guys talk. I'm going to mute me. This is the call I need to grab. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there, well, gee, I, can I get a call? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you guys had some more bad stuff there in Texas. Gosh. Really? What was bad today? Oh, not today, but over the weekend. Yeah. Oh, at yeah. the church? Yeah. 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 I didn't hear about it. It could happen anywhere. It could. Yeah. 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 It's bad. Nathan, you didn't hear. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, didn't, I don't hear any of that bad news. I only hear good news. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, I don't I listen to it, but when I go to somebody else's house, I went to somebody else's house for dinner, and so like they have the Fox News on, you know. Mm. Ah can't get away from it so you continue to be re-traumatized the whole time you're there <laughs> uh -huh. yeah yeah, it's, it's yeah. well speaking as someone who grew up in detroit uh i'm used to shootings a lot um okay. in fact i remember talking to a police officer friend of mine and um i said wow you know somebody was shot like two streets over and he was like what was special about it? I mean, because it happens like all the time. Yeah, I was like, like, what was different about it? I was like, um, I'm nothing really. They were just people. Um, <laughs> it wasn't anything interesting about it. Um, but yeah, the peculiar thing about Detroit is like you can call you can call the police as I've done because someone's breaking in because um, you suspect someone is uh, is going to harm you, but let you call and say someone is shot and they're dead and they're there in a second. I mean, like they may have been right right around the corner or something. Um, and I don't understand it because like if the person's already dead, what are you there for? <laughs> yeah. Send the ambulance first. <laughs> Actually, ambulances... I, I used to be in law enforcement. Ambulances will not respond to a shooting. There are, most of them will not respond to a shooting until law enforcement. Until law enforcement right. For their because answers. they don't want to get shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they want to make sure that the space is secure before the ambulance yeah. shows. You know what? That's logical. That's logical. So I guess the police show up just to make sure the person's dead. And, um, and there's no other shooters. Yeah. <laughs> 
there's yeah and there are no other shooters <laughs> oh my god you know that now that i think about it that must be just the most terrifying job in the world to be a police you know, officer and have to respond to something like that <laughs> i used to work in law enforcement we didn't we didn't do responses like that but i mean we were we were armed and there was times you get numb to it you're trained to basically be numb which is a really weird experience. Like when you train for target practice, the targets are deliberately um, shaped as humans so that it doesn't bother you to shoot a human. Wow. Yeah. You're trained just over and over where it's like, and I had, I had one time I did have to draw my gun. It was like, I suddenly was like outside by myself and there was, I'm going to put my headphones on too. Um, it was suddenly like me and just the subject by our, like outside and I was like oh my god because we were there to arrest him oh. and they didn't know where he was and so like and it was like literally it was one of those situations where it was funny because like probably five seconds later I realized my gun was in my hand pointed and I was yelling at him to get out of the car and I didn't even really had drawn my gun until I like looked down and I was like oh gun is in my hands because you practice it literally hundreds and hundreds of times and you do different scenarios, so it all becomes like you just go into automatic mode. Oh wow! Yeah. So you had no fear, like. Didn't even think about it. It just happened. I was like, boom, and it was like, oh. Afterwards, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, and it was funny because people like I don't. I knew I was talking, but people because the other officers were in the building, and they were like, we heard you. You yelled. He's in the car. I need assistance. You know, and I was like, I did. I didn't even wow. know I could do that. And they were like, they heard me inside the building. <gasps> but it was just, you go into, it's, um, they call it muscle memory. And it's just, you just literally respond without thinking. Ooh. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, we lost, where, where did we lose Jack off to? Oh, there's, oh, no, that's oh, it. Hey, Brian. That's an interesting version of Jack, <laughs> but. Hi, Brian. Hi, Brian. It's down again. Here he goes. Work out. So I'll show you guys, the, those of you who didn't read the Facebook post, I lost my keys a couple of days ago. Was sure I left, left them at home or somewhere, but could not find them anywhere. So yesterday I go to the chiropractor, come back. The only parking spot available, there's one that says no stopping or no parking. And I realized I'm like, there's never any parking on that street. But the no stopping sign had expired Sunday. Ah. So I parked in that spot because everybody else thought it was no parking, but it wasn't. It was just expired no parking. Curie decides she wants to cross the street. We cross the street, and I see I'm like, it's like a 12-inch high planter. There's like a rock sitting on top of the planter, right? And I'm like, what the heck? And this little note, see how scribbled it is? It's a mess it is. Is stuck under the rock and it says, Did you lose your keys? Call me at. Wow. And I was like, I'm never on that street, but I was like, Well, I'll call and find out. They have my keys. Yeah, that's. Wow. Great. I'm like, I never park on the street. The fact that I even parked there was only because there was a spot because this expired no parking. Oh, that is miraculous. Yeah. Hey, Ryan. I love to hear that. Ooh, Brian looks very outdoorsy today. Brian, where are you? You're looking like construction worker. Oh, <laughs> I'm very serious. 
Serious. Okay, here I'm now. I'm here. Hello. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Where are you? Um, uh, my one of my best friends works at this coffee shop that's dead in the morning, and so there's this beautiful little garden in the back, and there's no one here, and I knew the Wi-Fi would work, and here I am. <laughs> nice. And I'm really proud of my outfit right now. I feel like a real hipster, so I'm feeling like I. <laughs> I usually look more like a dad, so this feels good. It's a hat. It's a hat that does this. It's a hat. It's a hat. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he's also got the hoodie with the denim jacket. Yeah, the and the so, yeah. Very yeah. hip. Trying really hard over here. <laughs> Almost couldn't see with that camouflage hat on. Right? Here in the background. I parked in a broken meter, you guys. I felt like God wanted me to be here and not have to pay. It was good. Nice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, I was to say for those of you who aren't here, I said Benjamin is on like on a, on a in a plane right now on his way to Honduras for a month. Okay, good. Oh. So that's where he is at. Um, his I think he says uncle has a wedding, and then they're staying for a few more weeks. So Kelly, I seem to be having a few difficulties with my video this morning. So because everybody keeps stopping and starting, but so I'm, I may pop out or pop in, but. Okay, if it gets really bad, text me, and you could call in, but then we can't see you, and that makes yeah. us all sad. Mm-hmm. But if you need if you need the phone code, let me know. All right. So let's get started. It's one of those weird splits again where the second half, there's a big section right in the middle, um, so it doesn't split real well. So we're going to have um, – we'll try to break by 8.50 – um, and then also for those of you who aren't here, I've got to leave a few minutes early. So I will tell you who's doing the closing prayer before I go, or actually before we do the last section. Um, and then I need to go take Curie to the doggy salon. <laughs> um, where, what page are we on, you guys? I'm sorry. If you are, I say I'm on 524. Great. I've got it. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um, remaining task. The remaining task, which is the remaining section in that chapter, okay. which I thought was pretty dang funny. Way to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, what page are you on, Susan? Six eighty-one. Thank you. Okay, so it'll be. I'm gonna still not read, even though I'm talking. It's still a little weak. Um, so we'll do Brian, Deb, Jack, Lydia, Nathan, Susan. Okay. Ready, set, spaghetti. <laughs> yes <laughs> the remaining what then Oops. remains to be undone for you to realize their presence only this you have a differential view of when attack is justified and when you think it is unfair and not to be allowed when you perceive it as unfair you think that a response of anger now is just and thus you see what is the same as different confusion is not limited if it occurs at all it will be total and its presence, and its presence in whatever form, will hide their presence. They are known with clarity, or not at all. Confused perception will block knowledge. It is not a question of the size of the confusion or how much it interferes. Its simple presence shuts the door to theirs and keeps them there unknown. What does it mean if you perceive attack in certain forms to be unfair to you? It means that there must be some forms in which you think it's fair, or otherwise. How could some be evaluated as unfair? Some, then, are given meaning and perceived as sensible, and only some are seen as meaningless. And this denies the fact that all are senseless, equally without a cause or consequence, and cannot have effects of any kind. 
Their presence is obscured by any veil which stands between their shining innocence and your awareness it is your own and equally belongs to every living thing along with you. God limits not, and what is limited cannot be heaven, so it must be hell. Unfairness and attack are one mistake, so firmly joined that where one is perceived, the other must be seen. You cannot be unfairly treated. The belief you are is but another form of the idea you are deprived by someone not yourself. Projection of the cause of sacrifice is at the root of everything perceived to be unfair and not your just deserts. Yet it is you to the Son of God. You have no enemy except yourself, and you are enemy indeed to him because you do not know you do not know him as yourself. Then that he be deprived of what he is, denied the right to be himself, and asked to sacrifice his father's love and yours as not his due. Hmm. That's kind of a sin. That last, last. <coughs> Be aware of the temptation to perceive yourself unfairly treated. In this view, you seek to find an innocence which is not theirs, but yours alone, and at the cost of someone else's guilt. Can innocence be purchased by the giving of your guilt to someone else? And is this innocence which your attack on him attempts to get? Is it not retribution for your own attack upon the Son of God you seek? Is it not safer to believe that you are innocent of this and victimized despite your innocence? Whatever way the game of guilt is played, there must be loss. Someone must lose his innocence that someone else can take it from him, making it his own. You think your brother is unfair to you because you think that one must be unfair to make the other innocent. <clears throat> and in this game, do you perceive one purpose for your whole relationship? And this you seek to add unto the purpose given it. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to let the presence of your holy guest be known to you. And to this purpose, nothing can be added. For the world is purposeless except for this. <clears throat> to add or take away from this one goal is but to take away all purpose from the world and from yourself. And each unfairness that the world appears to lay upon you, you have laid on it by re rendering it purposeless without the function that the Holy Spirit sees. And simple justice has been thus denied to every living thing upon the earth. What this injustice does to you who judge unfairly and who see you as and see as you have judged, you cannot calculate. The world grows dim and threatening and not a trace of all the happy sparkle that salvation brought can you perceive to lighten up your way. And so you see yourself deprived of light, abandoned to the dark, unfairly left without a purpose in a futile world. The world is fair because the Holy Spirit has brought justice to the light within and there has all unfairness been resolved and been replaced with justice and with love. If you perceive injustice anywhere, you need but say, by this do I deny the presence of the Father and the Son, 
and I would rather know of them than see injustice, which their presence shines away. Well, I love that. You can't be unfairly treated. <laughs> I don't know why that cracked me up, but <laughs> that was good. Yep. That's lived out of, out of a lot of programs, isn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. You and your just desserts is what I have to say. You and your just desserts. I just thought it was very interesting that we get real colloquial all of a sudden. In this <laughs> Um, yeah, so tough concept, uh, you know, and I, I think of Susan, even, you know, in this situation, and many of us who were like, man, there is nothing about this situation that seems, quote, fair, you know, different at different times. And so what then, what I get to do with that is offer that up and put it on the altar of the Holy Spirit. Um, above all, help me to see this differently um to put purpose in that and um and that's i don't know that's just what i'm supposed to do period <laughs> and that's in the best interest of everyone if to do that and take that woe is me that victim thing and that's mm -hmm. well that sure goes against what we're taught from day one doesn't it yeah mm -hmm. yeah this is like the book of survival. <laughs> we were not given at birth, were we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know what to do without this book. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah. And I do love that. That really helps to um, yeah. soften, you know, the, um, some of the things that go on in life. I think for me, it does. Yeah, with that responsibility, then only then can we have true freedom. Uh huh. Otherwise, it's a false freedom. If we're in that other, it's unworthy. Yep. Yeah, we're held captive in that loop of unfair, unfair, victim, perpetrator, blah blah. You know, like all that. So, yeah, yeah you're, you're shackled to that program. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You're right. Never free. That's right. a normal place to be. No, it's not. I said I found paragraph 89 interesting where it talks about um, the Holy Spirit's purpose is to let the presence of your holy guests be known to you. And to this purpose, nothing can be added for the world is purposeless except for this. So it's, you know, I've heard some people, some course miracles teachers get very much into like the world doesn't matter. It's an illusion. So who cares throughout the world? And it's interesting because it basically says, you know, yeah, the world's without purpose except for this one. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, I think, I think when you throw out the world and just go, I'm not going to care about the world at all. It's like, you're kind of doing the, you know, we'll, we'll get very colloquial today again. You're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, the course is like, you know, yeah, there's, you know, may, maybe the world didn't have a purpose, but it's got a purpose now. Holy Spirit's deemed there's a purpose for it. So yeah, there is a purpose for it, as long as there are people in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And even if there were no people except for you, um, you know, then you have to start relating with, like, the lower life forms. 
<laughs> when I say ultimately there is nothing but you, but uh-huh. I think the course, the course talks to us in language we get. Cause if I, you know, it's like, it says like, there's no one else but you. And we all go, yeah, there's no one else but you. Oh, by the way. Hi, Jack. Hi, Nathan. You know, and it's like, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> we say we get it, but we don't get it. You know? right. <laughs> I think it kind of goes back to the separation, you know, because Holy Spirit or, or the true spirit is, is there to help us to get through, get past all the conflict and confusion that we created through our ideas of separation. So, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, everything that we experience, everything in this illusion has got a purpose for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses it to help guide us back. So, and I always have to see that there, there is a difference in the way I think from this, this separation perspective and from a spiritual perspective of, of thinking in terms of of what the Holy Spirit's trying to relate to. That makes sense. By the way, Susan, you're looking very San Franciscan. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's like you got your red sports bottle and your (laughs) 49er shirt on. (laughs) I hear you talk, uh, Kelly, a lot about people that uh, look at the course and say, well, this world doesn't matter. Okay, well, this is a non-duality course, but it comes from oneness to duality. The duality comes from the oneness, so you can't have one without the other. And lots of times I think that's somebody doesn't make the handshake that, that those, everything, this form arises out of that oneness. And the purpose here, as you said, Jack, is to use these bodies as the vehicle for love, mm-hmm. knowing who we are. Yeah. So that's the purpose of the duality. You know, otherwise it's just a, you know, <laughs> Yeah. So, well, Brian, you can yes. start us off again on section two, okay. which is literally two paragraphs long. So it'll be you and Deb. Mm-hmm. All right. The body and the dream. The wish to be unfairly treated is a compromise attempt that would combine attack and innocence. Who can combine the holy incompatible and make a unity of what can never join? Walk you the gentle way and you will fear no evil and no shadows in the night. But place no terror symbols on your path, or you will leave a crown of thorns from which your brother and yourself will not escape. You cannot crucify yourself alone. And if you are unfairly treated, he must suffer the unfairness that you see. You cannot sacrifice yourself alone, for sacrifice is total. If it could occur at all, it would entail the whole of God's creation and the Father with the sacrifice of his beloved Son. In your release from sacrifice is is his made manifest and shown to be his own. But every pain you suffer, do you see as proof that he is guilty of attack? Thus would you make yourself to be the sign that he has lost his innocence and need but look on you to realize that he has been condemned. And what to you has been unfair will come to him in righteousness. The unjust vengeance that you suffer now belongs to him. And when it rests on him, you are on him, are you set free? Wish not to make yourself a living symbol of his guilt. For you will not escape the death you made for him, but in his innocence you find your own. There you go. There you go. It's I read yesterday. 
I read it, I think it was yesterday, I forget who says it, but if uh, anger is like holding onto a, a hot rock and attempting to throw it at someone else, but burning yourself. Mm. I like it. it was much more eloquent than that, but <laughs> uh, this kind of feels that, that same message in some ways. Um, so I've been watching um, some ACIM teachers like Earl Purdy. He's really good and really funny. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been watching a lot on um, how to not be manipulated and like the victimization and all that. And, um, and it, it's really helping. Basically, he's saying, you know, it's, in other words, using me, like it's me that is saying that can even be done to me, you know, that um, maybe mm. not seeing my own worthiness, my own holiness as clearly as I should be, and so that anyone is even capable. Of and, um, and so I liked it when it said, but in the very last sentence, but in his innocence, you find your own. And I feel like I've had a lot more freedom now um, because I am able to let go of <clears throat> blame and, um, you know, what somebody did. And I know. So I guess I'm starting to see that this does work. It, it does work. <laughs> I, say, I just like the middle of that first paragraph was just so calming and nice. Hey, somebody else has got doggy. Hey, doggy. Um, it says, walk you the gentle way and you will fear no evil and no shadows in the night. Place no terror symbols on your path. It was just like, you know, it's, it, it's like walk in the gentle way. I'm like, that sounds so easy. <laughs> you know? Just walk in the gentle way and you won't have anything to fear. I was like, it sounds great. I, I, Try to work on that for sure. Well, I think it kind of goes back to the first sentence there. Uh, the wish to be unfairly treated, you know, because if we find ourselves getting angry or upset or anything like that, at least for me, I find when I look at it, I find myself trying to justify something. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if I let that go and quit trying to justify it, and just allow, you know, as it be, allow, allow spirit to explain it to me if I'm confused about it, instead of getting upset or distracted by it, just be at peace with it and, and stop trying to justify it. And, and I think that gentle walk is what I, is the result. Yeah. That's good, Jack. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Jack, what you just said really resonated with me because that first sentence, the wish to be unfairly treated yeah. is a compromise attempt that would combine attack and innocence. It's, it's a very uh, privileged seat that we can act like we're being righteous or greater than thou. And like, I'm just, I just don't want to be unfairly treated. And like, that's a real sneaky little place for you to sit and act like you're being real spiritual or whatever, but that's a bunch of malarkey because then you're not seeing beyond. And one of the things I say a lot, I'm like the gentle path thing, Kelly, I laughed because I really see what you're saying about how hard that is. One of the tricks that I always use for myself is if you go slow, you won't make a mistake. So usually it just means I have to walk really slow and it's so annoying. That's what I usually find to myself is like gentle expresses itself as slow. I don't know what that means, but for my expression wise, that means like, don't make decisions quickly. Don't jump to a yes. Don't jump to a no. Go slow. And boy, is it annoying sometimes because we're so fast. I don't know. Yeah. 
we're we're quick we're quick to judge others and their behavior and if we slow down a little bit i think the holy spirit speaks to us so if we just slow down a little bit and don't be so quick to react um someone is rude to you or apparently rude to you um maybe just you know don't don't be so quick to judge them or you know you're in the car and someone cuts you off and <laughs> that's that's um i don't have i don't have like uh road rage that's actually my mom and my husband so <laughs> but i mean the quick way of reacting actually escalates the situation but when i think about like what someone is doing in their car while I'm thinking about that, I should be really just handling my own path. You know what I mean? <laughs> By the way, I'm not that good a driver, just to let you guys know. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those people who's always getting yelled at. God, you did that? <laughs> so, Lydia, we knew that already. You talk about driving a lot. I think it's your cross to bear. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is true. This is true. Okay, so, um, I, okay. Once someone yelled at me, I mean, his truck window was open and he yelled at me and called me a name and I had to pull over and cry because it was just like, it really upset me. And, um, and I, I thought, oh my God, you know, I shouldn't be out here. I shouldn't be driving. And, and then I thought, oh, you know, just 15 minutes, just 15 minutes of like crying in my car is all it took to like get me straight, you know, you know, straighten up and go home, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. it'll happen. It happens again. <laughs> this is the first time. It won't be the last. <laughs> well, and I figure when somebody really goes into like road rage, I'm like, it's not about the incident. You know, I had, um, oh. this week, it's interesting. This came up. I was driving for Uber. I drive for Uber sometimes to help pay my credit cards. And I admit, like, I thought I was going to make it through the intersection, and so I pulled forward, and then I realized I wasn't because the signal turned. And you stopped. And I, I, yeah, I stopped. I was in the crosswalk. So I backed up a little ways. I couldn't see exactly where the car was behind me, but I had, like, half the crosswalk open. So I was still in the crosswalk, but I wasn't, like, blocking the whole thing. This pedestrian came up and literally started pounding on my window, screaming at me. Oh, God. And I just like, it was the weirdest thing. I just sat there for a minute and I've got, I've got passengers with me. And one of the passengers was starting to yell. And I was like, just, I, I, I saw the guy coming. So I'd like locked the door and put the windows up and all. And I was like, the signal's going to turn in a second. And so then like the guy, like, like we just did, you know, the, my one passenger yelled at him, but then stopped. And then the guy just walked away and we walked, we, we drove off and I'm thinking, okay, I hope they don't. I hope my passengers don't give me like one star ratings. <laughs> and um, I just said something. I, I said, you know, I said, well, I guess he's having a bad day, you know? And, and my passengers were like, we're so sorry you had to go through that. I mean, they were like apologizing for this guy, but I was like, it was weird. Cause like, I didn't get upset or anything. I just said, you know, that clearly wasn't about us. He had room to walk. He went crazy because he's, Having mother's in the hospital. Who knows? Yeah, you exactly. Know. You don't <laughs> know. To spread into the motivations of others is to go into the mindfield of the ego. Somewhere it says something like that in the course. 
he, he was justified in his own mind. He was justified. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things I just kind of, it's kind of like one of these things that I just try and go to, to my quiet mind. When I, when I get those urges, it's just to go to the quiet mind. As some people say, engage the brain before you think, you know, well, my <laughs> go to the quiet. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, where are we on? Jack. Yes. You get to start the picture of the crucifixion. Ooh. I mean, without a paintbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the picture of the crucifixion. Picture this. (laughs) Whenever you consent to suffer pain, to be deprived, unfairly treated, or in need of anything, you but accuse your brother of attack upon God's son. You hold a picture of your crucifixion before his eyes that he may see his sins are writ in heaven in your blood and death and go before him, closing off the gate and damning him to hell. <clears throat> Boy, what a picture. <laughs> Yet this is writ in hell and not in heaven where you are beyond attack and prove his innocence. The picture of yourself you offer him you show yourself and give it all your faith. The Holy Spirit offers you to give to him a picture of yourself in which there is no pain and no reproach at all. And what was martyred to his guilt becomes the perfect witness to his innocence. I like that. Yeah. The power of witness is beyond belief because it brings conviction in its wake. The witness is believed because he points beyond himself to what he represents, a sick and suffering you, but represents your brother's guilt. The witness which you send, lest he forget the injuries he gave from which you swear he never will escape. (laughs) This sick and sorry picture you accept, if only it can serve to punish him. The sick are merciless to everyone, and in contagion do they seek to kill. Death seems an easy price if they can say, Behold me, brother, at your hand I die. For sickness is the witness to his guilt, and death would prove his errors must be sins. Sickness is but a little death, a form of vengeance not yet total. Yet it speaks with certainty for what it represents. The bleak and bitter picture you have sent your brother, you have looked upon in grief. And everything that it has shown to him, have you believed because it witnessed to the guilt in him which you perceived and loved. Now in the hands made gentle by his touch, the Holy Spirit lays a picture of a, of a different you. It is a picture of a body still, for what you really are cannot be seen nor pictured. Yet this one has not been used for purpose of attack and therefore never suffered pain at all. It witnesses to the eternal truth that you cannot be hurt and points beyond itself to both your innocence and his. So this unto your brother who will see that every scar is healed and every tear is wiped away in laughter and in love. And he will look on his forgiveness there and with healed eyes will look beyond it to the innocence that he beholds in you. 
Here is the proof that he has never sinned, that nothing which his madness bid him do was ever done or ever had effects of any kind, that no reproach he laid upon his heart was ever justified, and no attack can ever touch him with the poisoned and relentless sting of fear. Attest his innocence and not his guilt. Your healing is his comfort and his health because it proves illusions are not true. That's Brian. It is not will for life, but wish for death that is the motivation for this world. Its only purpose is to prove guilt real. No worldly thought or act or feeling has a motivation other than this one. These are the witnesses that are called forth to be believed and lend conviction to the system they speak for and represent. And each has many tongues, speaking to your brother and yourself in different tongues. And yet to both, the message is the same. Adornment of the body seeks to show how lovely are the witnesses for guilt. Concerns about the body demonstrate how frail and vulnerable is your life, how easily destroyed is what you love. Depression speaks of death and vanity of real concern with anything at all. The strongest witness to futility, which bolsters all the rest and helps them paint the picture in which sin is justified, is sickness in whatever form it takes. The sick have reason for each one of their unnatural desires and strange needs. For who could live a life so soon cut short and not esteem the worth of passing joys? What pleasures could there be that will endure? Are not the frail entitled to believe that every stolen scrap of pleasure is their righteous payment for their little lives? Their death will pay the price for all of them if they enjoy their benefits not. The end of life must come, whatever that way, whatever way that life be spent. And so take pleasure in a quickly passing and ephemeral. These are not sins, but witnesses unto the strange belief that sin and death are real, and innocence and sin will end alike within the termination of the grave. If this were true, there would be reason to remain content to seek for passing joys and cherish little pleasures where you can. Yet in this picture is the body not perceived as neutral and without a goal inherent in itself. For it becomes the symbol of reproach, the sign of guilt whose consequences still are there to see so that the cause can never be denied. Your function is to your brother that sin can have no cause. How futile must it be to see yourself a picture of the proof that what your function is can never be. The Holy Spirit's picture changes, not the body into something it is not. It only takes away from it all signs of accusation and of blamefulness. Pictured without a purpose, it is seen as neither sick nor well, nor bad nor good. No grounds are offered that it may be judged in any way at all. It has no life, but neither is it dead. It stands apart from all experience of fear or love. For now, it witnesses to nothing yet. Its purpose being open and the mind made free again to choose what it is for, now it now it is is it not condemned but waiting for a purpose to be given that it may fulfill the function that it will receive mm. yes 
into this empty space from which the goal of sin has been removed is heaven free to be remembered. Here its peace can come and perfect healing take the place of death. The body can become a sign of life, a promise of redemption, and a breath of immortality to those grown sick of breathing in the fetid scent of death. Let it have healing as its purpose. Then will it send forth the message it received and by its health and loveliness proclaim the truth and value that it represents. Let it receive the power to represent an endless life forever unattacked. And to your brother, let its message be, Behold me, brother, at your hand I live. A simple way to let this be achieved is merely this, to let the body have no purpose from the past. When you were sure, you knew its purpose was to foster guilt. For this insists your crippled picture is a lasting sign of what it represents. This leaves no space in which a different view, another purpose, can be given it. You do not know its purpose. You but gave illusions of a purpose to a thing you made to hide your function from yourself. This thing without a purpose cannot hide the function the Holy Spirit gave. Let then its purpose and your function be both, both be reconciled at last and seen as one. <clears throat> What did you guys think of chapter, paragraph eight? Are not the frail entitled to believe that every stolen scrap of pleasure is their righteous payment for their little lives? I found. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you love it, but you don't. But you know. (laughs) But there was something in this that was the, you can, I mean, I know people like this. I know when I've been like this, that I guess we're all like this at some point, but that like, um, we're playing small and so there's a, we're very, it's living in victimhood and little tiny things are good. Little tiny things are good or, um, or little tiny things become having so much more meaning than they should. My mom, my mother and my aunt had a huge fight about a rug the other day. And to me, this is like, <laughs> yes, little stolen scrap of pleasure, literally a scrap, um, but like a scrap of pleasure is for their little lives. So if you are, that that's the how minuscule and like the a lot of conversations about death, about how small your life becomes when this is how you see it. And the other thing, if I can keep going and you guys don't hate me for talking so long, is in chat paragraph four, the power of witness is beyond belief because it brings conviction in its wake. The witness is believed because he points beyond himself to what he represents. And that, to me, those two sentences, you know, they go both ways. It's what, what witness box are we putting ourselves in, I guess is what this is. If we go the direction of seeing it as a courtroom and then people for judgment, then there's the one way, but there's the other way of like, I'm being a witness to what I know my great, the greater purposes here, what the higher level purpose is here. Mm-hmm. Then you can bring conviction into that direction as too. So I found that those two senses to be really helpful to how we see or how, um, you know, how, how, uh, how we see without our eyes. Any thoughts, Susan? I was just thinking how it is so amazing how all of this is just thoughts. You know, it's all about our thoughts. Um, I had a dream Saturday night that I moved into my new apartment, that it was a two bedroom. And when I got, when I got all moved in, Bill and his girlfriend and the baby were living there. And it's so ironic because he's been, you know, shoving them down my throat nonstop. It's like, 
So it was just her. But I mean, I was mad and not <laughs> the bathrooms, but she was in mine with all her stuff strewn everywhere, underwear hanging up, and it was really vivid. And I was trying to go to the bathroom, and <laughs> she's standing there. And I was like, can you just give me some space? It was really intense. And then I went out and complained to him, you know, you all get the hell out of here. And he said, you know, hush, you're going to wake the baby. And I'm like, I'm in my own apartment. I have to be quiet. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it just, it, it just pissed me off. And it, but it was just so symbolic of what he's been doing. So, I mean, of course, the next day, the next morning, we're in our Sunday meeting. And something came over me. And I just, I had this amazing peace. And I visualized myself holding his baby which I don't have any interest in doing right now, but that did come to me and I felt the most overwhelming peace. It was amazing. I mean, I just felt this love and, you know, I, so when I'm reading this and I'm, you're asking me if I had any thoughts, it's all thoughts. It's just all this stuff. And then you can change it, fix it. Um, you can go with it. I mean, you, it, it's fascinating. It absolutely blows my mind. Susan, why, you had a revelation. Why couldn't we know this when we were young, you know? Why couldn't somebody have taught us this when we were little? Why did Jesus wait so long for this book? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Susan, I find it interesting. I've got a friend who's actually, he's, I, don't, I don't know if I've talked about him. He's an astrologer psychologist, um, nationally renowned dream interpreter. And by the way, he's a spiritual teacher who teaches A Course in Miracles. Oh. Um, <laughs> so like, name and number. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's great. Like, and, and he's really great because he does the astrology. Like he'll send out stuff, but he's like, the astrology doesn't cause things to happen. He's like, since we're all one, the planetary movements and what they're saying to us is just a reflection of our consciousness. And you can use it to look within. It's, it's, he's really interesting. Anyway, going on his, he has, one of the things he's told me, he said, when you dream about like a home or a house, that's a reflection of who you are and your life. And so it's interesting that in this new home, in this new life, you've still got Bill there to deal with. It's going to be a while. And his baby. And the baby. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it was just, it was interesting because it's like, you know, it's like, I, I think you know, a lot of us tend to think like, oh, I'll move out and that'll be the end of it. Oh, and no. it was almost like your consciousness saying, no, it's <laughs> still going to be there. I just want to say how much I appreciate you being open about talking about your journey because it really helps mm -hmm. us so much. I want you to know mm -hmm. the impact, at least from, I can speak for myself, it has a tremendous impact to hear you speak about it. And so it really helps to make these words come to life in a, a profound way. So I just want you to know that as witness to what you're saying, it, it means a lot. So I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you, Brian. Yeah. I, I did too. Vulnerability also, and that's your uh, transparency. And thank you for that. We're glad you're here. Yes. Thank you. Well, I want to break now. Um, real quickly, before we go on break, because oh, yeah. I got a couple 
Yeah, because the next section's long, and so it's not a very, really clean split. Um, but real quick before you go, Deb, don't forget you have homework you owe me. Yes, I do know. Don't forget <laughs> the homework. Um, Lydia, mm -hmm. are, are you interested in going to the Book of Mormon while you're at the conference? Uh, no, seen it. Okay. Last like crazy. <laughs> okay, good. I just wanted to check because I'm buying the tickets today. And just as an FYI, the new Miracles Monthly Magazine, which if you're a supporting member you get, or if you are um, part of Lisbeth Christensen's class, you'll probably get one. Um, there is a letter in there from me that they are announcing that I'm leaving after March. So that will now be public info. Um, if you know of anybody that might be interested in becoming the assistant minister, let us know. They do have to do our ordination program, but you know, it means all of you could, if anybody wants to move to San Francisco. <laughs> so oh, that, sounds, that sounds superb to me. Yeah. Reverend Kelly, you did get that. Um, we're going to the Book of Mormon. Is that correct? I did, yeah. I talked to um, Jeff, and you guys are going on the nice night, the good, the good, the good seat night. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I actually I got your tickets purchased. You're in, I think it's the 12th row oh, from the awesome. stage. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be really you. good. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Hi, guys. Ten minutes. Okay. Ten minutes, guys.
<laughs> hey, Brian's cool out there. Um, Nathan. Yes. I just emailed you. Um, actually, I emailed everybody, but I emailed you privately. Um, yes, we have that book. Um, yes, I'll get it to you either today or tomorrow. It'll ship out. Okay. Just use that same card on file. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, we have every version of the course except for um, we don't have the hardcover FIP. And we don't have the Hewlin Casey version because, like, nobody ever buys the Hewlin Casey version. Um, but we have everything else, including every foreign language that's available. <laughs> so I have Bulgarian and Czechoslovakian and Hungarian and Hebrew and Korean and. And I just sent, well, I'll wait until Jack and Lydia get back. Oh, there's Jack. We're just missing Lydia. I just sent everybody a copy. We actually have an electronic, like some people do the monthly magazine electronically. So I actually just sent you guys a copy of that so you can see my letter. Um, if you're not a subscribing member, it's on page 10. As I said, just so you know, if anybody that might be interested, or if you're interested, there's my little note saying. I love you all. I'm leaving. <laughs> Not leaving you guys, though. I know. So, and there's still a possibility if they don't find a replacement, there's a possibility I might do some of the work remotely. But you know, we're going to try to find an assistant minister first. So, well, does that mean that if if they find a replacement, that we'll be getting a new a new leader, or will you continue to do this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll still do classes. I'll still be on the board of directors. Um, I just won't be here in the office doing this. What about ACIM 2? You don't teach that or is that possible? I, do, I don't teach it at the moment. Um, currently, and this is something we'll discuss when you guys get closer to the time. Currently, there's a phone class Saturday morning. I personally would like to push the instructor to go to video. Okay, yeah, good. Susan's shaking her head now. Um, he's an interesting, I, I, it's Reverend Paul. He, he's fairly conservative. He lives in Southern California, but he's, I mean, he's been, he's been a teacher for several years of the course. Um, or there is a Monday night video class with Reverend Tony. Video. So, yeah. That's why I was going to say, I'm going to push Reverend push Paul. And say, like, listen, if you're going to do it on phone, probably none of my people are coming to your class. Um, but if it ends up like you guys want to stay on the morning, but you don't want to be on Saturdays, or he won't switch to video, then there is possibility that the board could open up a third section. Okay. We'd like to see more people in the two sections that are already going. But, um, you know, if it doesn't work and we have another instructor who can teach you another section, um, we will open up in our section. 
Well, now, ACIM2, is that, isn't that like where you're just online with or on, on a call each and every day with you somebody still, and it changes? Well, you still have the two-hour class each week. As a group, you go over it. But then daily, you have a lesson partner. Oh, okay. And you'll have some sort of project. What do you do with your lesson partner? You read the lesson, you read Robert Perry's commentary, the Yay. workbook companion. Yay! And then you do, you know, it, and it depends. I remember Tony says it's supposed to be five minutes. My instructor was like three, as long as you did a three-minute meditation together, it was fine. Um, and it depends on your partner. You switch partners every month as long as there's enough students in the class. Like Reverend Tony right now only has two students, so they're not switching. They're just stuck with each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you read through the lesson together, you read the commentary together, you do a short meditation, and then it's kind of up to the partners. I mean, I've known times when I've had a partner and it was like, okay, three minutes is done. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. I'm going to work. Click. Um, I've had other partners who I was like, okay, I really have to go. We've been on the phone 45 minutes now. I really have to, you know, and some of them like to talk and talk about everything. And so it kind of depends on your partner, but the requirement is you read the lesson and you read the workbook, the, the workbook companion, and you do a short, like three minute meditation. And then for the class, the t every two-week class, you go through the lessons as a group and discuss them. So it's the same, same format, but then in class, you also go through the, um, the manual for teachers. You go through the Song of Prayer booklet. You go through the psychotherapy pamphlet. So you go through all that material, too, which is part of at the end of the course. So. So if I teach that, that means you would get to talk to me daily, periodically, because the teachers rotate in, too, if needed. So, But nothing's happening to us. This group is all happening. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I told the board. Uh, it was kind of funny, because the last, I'll say, the last assistant minister, when she left, like, she got kicked out of everything. But that being said, she literally disappeared overnight. She said, I'm taking Monday off. I had to, you know, I had to put my dog down today. I'm traumatized. I'm taking Monday off. And they came to the office and her stuff was gone. Oh. So, oh yeah, it was traumatic. Um, she left in the cover of darkness. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then they couldn't reach her for like two months. It was just like, it was crazy. Um, which is why when I came in, they were like, oh my gosh. We, you know, they were like at panic because it was like, it wasn't planned. She just, boom, gone. Um, I had pretty much room until you'd already been like, you know, you can stay. And so the last board meeting, one of the board members brought up and said, well, you know, does she stay on or what? And I was like, that's up to the board. And they all laughed. They were like, we're going to keep you as much as we can. So I was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, so I will definitely stay on through ACM one, ACM two. We'll see. It depends if you guys can fit into the other classes or if we need to open a new section. Deb, are you going to be staying with us? Well, um, so I go for my job interview this Thursday, and then I will know. So okay. I'm probably going to be going back to Monday through Friday working. Yay. Yay. No, not really, but <laughs> it's going to happen. So would you have to drop out of ACIM? No, we have, a, we have another section she can scooch into. Okay. Yeah. So, Why don't you cut that time out of the day for you? 
I know, mm-hmm. you would think. Like, I think I should just make that an upfront request. Yeah. I wish I could. I love this class. I look forward to it every week. I just love it. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll anyway. Posting. We better get going. Because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, we're all chatting. And I'm like, uh-oh, we would start reading. I just love talking with you all so much, you know? <laughs> I think I'm the first reader. Yeah. Um, you are. The fear of healing. Oh no. Is healing frightening? To many, yes. For accusation is a bar to love, and damaged bodies are accusers. They stand firmly in the way of trust and peace, proclaiming that the frail can have no trust and that the damaged have no grounds for peace. Who has been injured by his brother and could love and trust him still? He has attacked and will attack again. Protect him not because your damaged body shows that you must be protected from him. To forgive him may be an act of charity, but not his due. He may be pitied for his guilt, but not exonerated. And if you forgive him his transgressions, you but add to all the guilt that he has already earned. The unhealed cannot pardon, for they are the witnesses that pardon is unfair. They would retain the consequences of the guilt they overlook. Yet no one can forgive a sin which he believes is real. And what has consequences must be real, because what it has done is there to see. Forgiveness is not pity, which but seeks to pardon what it knows to be the truth. Good cannot be returned for evil, for forgiveness does not first establish sin and then forgive it. Who can say in me, my brother, you have injured me, and yet because I am the better of the two, I pardon you my hurt. This pardon and your hurt cannot exist together. One denies the other and must make it false. To witness sin and yet forgive it is a paradox which reason cannot see. For it maintains what has been done to you deserves no pardon. And by giving it, you grant your brother mercy, but retain the proof he is not really innocent. The sick remain accusers. They cannot forgive their brothers and themselves as well, or no one in whom true forgiveness reigns can suffer. He holds not the proof of his sin before his brother's eyes, and thus he must have overlooked it and removed it from his own. Forgiveness cannot be for one and not the other. Who forgives is healed, and in his healing lies the proof that he has truly pardoned and retains no trace of condemnation that he still would hold against himself or any living thing. Forgiveness is not real unless it brings a healing to your brother and yourself. You must attest his sins had no effect on you to demonstrate they were not real. How else could, you be, could he be guiltless? And how could his innocence be justified unless his sins have no effect to warrant guilt? Sins are beyond forgiveness just because they would entail effects which cannot be undone and overlooked entirely. In their undoing lies the proof that they were merely errors. Let yourself be healed, that you may be forgiving, offering salvation to your brother and yourself. A broken body shows the mind has not been healed. A miracle of healing proves that separation is without effect. What you would prove to him, you will believe. The power of witness comes from your belief, and everything you say or do 
or think, but testifies to what you teach to him. Your body can be a means to teach that it has never suffered pain because of him. And in its healing, can it offer him mute testimony of his innocence? It is this testimony which can speak with power greater than a thousand tongues. For here is his forgiveness proved to him. A miracle can offer nothing less to him than it is given unto you. So does your healing show your mind is healed and has forgiven what he did not do. And so is he convinced his innocence was never lost and healed along with you. Thus does the miracle undo all things the world attests can never be undone, and hopelessness and death must disappear before the ancient clarion call of life. This call has power far beyond the weak and miserable cry of death and guilt. The ancient calling of the father to his son and of the the son unto his own will yet be the last trumpet that the world will ever hear. Brother, there is no death. And this you learn when you but wish to show your brother that you had no hurt of him. He thinks your blood is on his hands, and so he stands condemned. Yet it is yet it is given you to show him by your healing that his guilt is but the fabric of a senseless dream. How just are miracles, for they bestow an equal gift of full deliverance from guilt upon your brother and yourself. Your healing saves him pain as well as you, and you are healed because you wished him well. This is the law the miracle obeys, that healing sees no specialness at all. It does not come from pity but from love, and love would prove all suffering is but a vain imagining, a foolish wish with no effects. Your health is a result of your desire to see your brother with no blood upon his hands nor guilt upon his heart made heavy with the proof of sin, and what you wish is given you to see. The cost of your serenity is his. This is the price the Holy Spirit and the world interpret differently. The world perceives it as a statement of the fact that your salvation sacrifices his. The Holy Spirit knows your healing is the witness unto his and cannot be separate from his at all. As long as he consents to suffer, you will be unhealed. Yet you can show him that his suffering is purposeless and holy without cause. Show him your healing and he will consent no more to suffer. For his innocence has been established in your sight and his. And laughter will replace your sighs because God's son remembered that he is God's son. Who then fears healing? Only those to whom their brother's sacrifice and pain are seen to represent their own serenity. Their helplessness and weakness represents the grounds on which they justify his pain. The constant sting of guilt he suffers, serves to prove that he is slave, but they are free. The constant pain they suffer demonstrates that they are free because they hold him bound. And sickness is desired to prevent a shaft of balance, a shift of balance in the sacrifice. How could the Holy Spirit be deterred an instant, even less, to reason with an argument for sickness such as this, and need your healing be delayed because you pause, and need your healing be delayed because you pause to listen to insanity. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Correction is not your function. It belongs to one who knows of fairness, not of guilt. If you assume correction's role, you lose the function of forgiveness. 
No one can forgive until he learns correction is but to forgive and never to accuse. Alone, you cannot see they are the same, and therefore is correction not of you. Identity and function are the same, and by your function do you know yourself. And thus, if you confuse your function with the function of another, you must be confused about yourself and who you are. What is the separation but a wish to take God's function from him and deny that it is his? Yet, if it is not his, it is not yours, for you must lose what you would take away. In a split mind, identity must seem to be divided. Nor can anyone perceive a function unified which has conflicted, conflicting purposes and different ends. Correction to a mind so split must be a way to punish sins you think are yours and someone else. And thus does he become your victim, not your brother. Different from you in that he is more guilty, thus in need of your, of your correction as the one more innocent than he. This splits his function off from yours and gives you both a different role. And so you cannot be perceived as one and with a single function that would mean a shared identity with but one end. If correction is the same as pardon, then you, will, then you also know the Holy Spirit's mind and yours are one. And so your own identity is found. Yet must, must he work with what is given him and you allow him only half your mind. And thus he represents the other half and seems to have a different purpose from the one you cherish and you think is yours. Thus does your function seem divided with half in opposition to a half. And these two halves appear to represent a split within a self-perceived as two. Consider how this self-perception must extend and do not overlook the fact that every thought extends because that is its purpose, being what it really is. From an idea of self as two, there comes a necessary view of function split between the two. And what you would correct is only half the error, which you think is all of it. Your brother's sins become the central target for correction, lest your errors and his own be seen as one. Yours are mistakes, but his are sins, and not the same as yours. His merit punishment, while yours and fairness, should be overlooked. In this interpretation of correction, your own mistakes you will not even see. <laughs> The focus of correction has been placed outside yourself on one who cannot be a part of you while this perception lasts. What is condemned can never be returned to its accuser who hated it and hates it still. This is your brother, focus of your hate, unworthy to be part of you and thus outside yourself, the other half which is denied. And only what is left without his presence is perceived as all of you. To this remaining half, the Holy Spirit must represent the other half until you recognize it is the other half. And this he does by giving both of you a function that is one, not different. Correction is the function given both, but neither one alone. And when it is fulfilled as shared, it must It cannot leave mistakes in one unhealed and set the other free. That is divided purpose, which cannot be shared. And so it cannot be the function which the Holy Spirit sees as his. And you can rest assured that he will not fulfill a function 
he cannot understand and recognize as his. For only thus can he keep yours preserved intact, despite your separate views of what your function is. If he upheld divided function, you were lost indeed. His inability to see his goal divided and distinct for each of you preserves yourself from being made aware of any function other than its own, and thus is healing given both of you. Correction must be left to one who knows correction and forgiveness are the same. With half a mind, this is not understood. Leave then correction to the mind that is united, functioning as one because it is not split in purpose and conceives a single function as its only one. Here is the function given it conceived to be its own and not apart from that its giver keeps because it, because it has been shared. In his acceptance of this function lies the means whereby your mind is unified. His single purpose unifies the halves of you, which you perceive as separate, and each forgives the other, that he may accept his other half as part of him. Does anybody else get a chuckle out of section at the end of paragraph 24? It says, yeah, your brother's sins become the central target for correction, lest your errors and his own be seen as one, blah, blah, blah. Yours are mistakes, but his uh -huh. are sins and not the same as yours. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that's exactly right. <laughs> well, you know. His merit, punishment. <laughs> yes, he gets his just dessert. He overlooked <laughs> You know, and I, I think we're all in agreement, um, you know, in this course. And if you go back to uh, paragraph 16, and uh, the, I guess halfway down, it says, sins are beyond forgiveness just because they would entail effects which cannot be undone and overlooked entirely. Mm -hmm. And their undoing lies the proof that they were merely errors. And I, I guess the things I... I came to understand early on was that this is true because sins really don't exist. Okay. There are no, there is no such thing as sins, but we perceive them as sins and call them sins because we've gotten used to it in our vocabulary, I guess, but they are just errors. The things that we see as sins or pretend to call sins, they're just errors. And yeah, the difficulty that I or that I don't know, and I really like what you're saying, Jack, is when it talks about how, and also by the way, you're not allowed to see them as errors because then you're trying to get some kind of correction, right? If you see it in another, right? So I don't know if the shift from sin to error fixes the is the mindset we're being asked to grab. Does that make sense, everybody, Reverend Kelly? Does this make sense to you? Because error still yeah. says there's a perception of yeah. something correct, right? The correction mind being there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if, if it's well, late. If, maybe it's moving us up the scale from sin to error to never noticing it. I don't know if that's like where we're, you know, what, where we're heading, heading. in terms of, you know? 
Well, it, it, to, to me, it talked about sin as being early on. It said that that sins were those things that can that cannot be undone and cannot be forg- forgiven and things like that. Okay, uh, and that's why this distinction to me is, is so prevalent yeah. uh, because there is nothing. There is nothing that cannot be forgiven. Nothing because it didn't really happen. It didn't really exist. Right. Because it was just. Part of our imagination, part of our fantasy, mm-hmm. part of our dreaming. And why are they called errors? Well, errors, to me, makes make, puts a little milder twist on it, if you will, Brian. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, because it's just a category of sin. Sin says, well, it can't be forgiven because, you know, it's beyond forgiveness. Yeah. It's sin is like that seat of privilege that we that I kind of like. Like if you sit in yes. a place of that's a sin, then you can be like, well, I don't have to. That's complete. There's that's completely bad behavior. There's nothing I can do about it. I can't forgive. I'm over here. You're over there. And an error gets to be like, yes, yeah. that may have been an error. Let me kind of enter into this gently. Let me walk gently into this. Maybe as a yeah. and think about and think about those people that you've known that say I've sinned, and God will never forgive me for that. You know, I wish I, I knew more of those people. I see a lot of, <laughs> no, I see a lot of that in the Catholic faith. You know, those people say, even my ex-wife was one of those that you know, partaken of sinfulness. You know, and and the thing was, what she the the priest wouldn't forgive her. Okay, so she felt like, well, she can just never be forgiven. Wow. So people got it in their minds that the sin was something that they can never be forgiven for. And that's absolutely not true. It was just an error in your in understanding. It's a misunderstanding, a misinterpretation. That's all. Couldn't you uh, change the word sin to illusion and it would be the same in this context? Again, if we stay with the stigma of sin, okay, as, as something that's unforgiven or cannot be forgiven, then then you can't escape it. So... So you have to let go of it, in my mind, anyway. Mm-hmm. Nathan, I think that's an interesting point, illusion versus sin. Yeah. Well, um, that's what it is. Uh, I think it's interesting we're talking about the split mind here. It, you just reflecting on it, we all have the same split mind. And what is it? It's like at the hero of the dream, this dream. We're, we're sometimes angels, we're sometimes devils, right? And we have this voice in our head that, you know, is conflicting, sometimes do this, do that. Okay, and all that, of course, is just the ego mind, the story of me. And it's always wrong, you know? But that's that split mind that it disguises itself in our mind. Think, oh, sometimes it's the angel. Bullshit. It's always the ego, you know? It, it disguising itself whichever way it's going to ensure survival, you know? But just reflect on your own mind, the voices in your own head, going back and forth, they're taking different hats and different roles, but it's all ego-related, me. It has nothing to do with truth. It has everything to do about judgment and separation. Sorry, I'm writing myself a note here. <clears throat> uh, that's right, that's right. 
Yeah, I like the statement 22 where he says, correction is not your function. <laughs> that That is so true. Uh, and then and it says the world perceives, perceives a statement of the fact that your salvation sacrifices is. I think how many times that I try and step in and I, I, I think I'm, and I'm, I'm sacrificing my, I, my own thoughts, I guess, for somebody else. And uh, it gets me a little bit lost sometimes. <laughs> yep. mm. Jack, this is, this is, oh, sorry, go ahead. Um, uh, you, you, I, you know what you said, you mentioned that, um, that, uh, correction is like a better term and, and no correction error is like something lighter than sin. Sin is such a loaded word for all of us. So, um, error, error is better, better, um, confusion. Like, I think all of us are confused. So like we do things that, you know, on the level of form seem to harm other people. Um, so, so uh, I know we have to, I know we have to like end a little early today. Um, um, I, I wanted to send you all a copy of um, a Buddhist prayer for forgiveness. It has a lot. It, has, it, it seems to mirror what we're studying, but it just recognizes that when people hurt each other or cause other people harm, um, they're confused. And it helps to forgive them because you can have compassion for somebody being confused because they're like children who are confused about things. So, that would be um, great. Okay, I will send it to you. In fact, I was trying to, I was trying to like send it to you right now while I was like in class, but um technology stumps me. So, <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. So yeah, let's um I say you guys will go to full time. It's just I have to quit early. Um for those of you who aren't here, Kiri has to get to the groomer. So uh Nathan, you are starting the symbol of the impossible. Okay. All right. Symbol of the impossible. Power cannot oppose, for opposition would weaken it, and weaken power is a contradiction in ideas. Weak strength is meaningless, and power used to weaken is employed to limit. And therefore, it must be limited and weak, because that is its purpose. Power is unopposed to be itself. No weakness can intrude on it without changing it into something it is not. To weaken is to limit and impose an, an opposite that contradicts the concept which it attacks. And by this does it join to the idea uh, a something it, it is not and make it unintelligible. Who can understand a double concept such as weakened power or as hateful love? You have decided that your brother is a symbol for a hateful love, a weakened power, and above all, a living death. And so he has no meaning to you, for he stands for what is meaningless. He represents a double thought, where half is canceled out by the remaining half. Yet even this is quickly contradicted by the half it canceled out, and so they both are gone. And now he stands for nothing. Symbols which but represent ideas that cannot be must stand. <laughs> what? 
symbols which but represent ideas that cannot be, must stand for empty space and nothingness. Yet nothingness and empty space cannot be interference. What can interfere with the awareness of reality is the belief that, that there is something there. The picture of your brother that you see means nothing. There's nothing to attack or to deny love or hate or to endow with power or to see as weak. The, the picture has been wholly canceled out because it symbolized a contradiction which canceled out the thought it represents. And thus the picture has no cause at all. Who can perceive a fact without a cause? What can the causes be but nothingness? The picture of your brother that you see is wholly absent and has never been. Let then the empty space it occupies be recognized as vacant and the time devoted to its seeing be perceived as idly spent, a time unoccupied. An empty space which is not seen as filled, an unused interval of time not seen as spent and fully occupied, becomes a silent invitation to the truth to enter and to make itself at home. No preparation can be made that would enhance the invitation's real appeal. For what you leave as vacant, God will fill, and where he is, there must, there must the truth abide. Unweakened power with no opposite is what creation is. For this, there are, there are no symbols. Nothing points beyond the truth for what can stand for more than everything. Yet true undoing must be kind. And so the first replacement for your picture is another picture of another kind. As nothingness cannot be pictured, so there is no symbol for totality. Reality is ultimately known without a form unpictured and unseen. Forgiveness is not yet a power known as wholly free of limits. Ah, good statement. Yet it sets no limits you have chosen to impose. Forgiveness is the means by which the truth is represented temporarily. It lets the Holy Spirit make exchange of pictures possible until the time when aids are meaningless and learning done. No learning aid has use which can extend beyond the goal of hearing of learning. When its aim has been accomplished, it is functionless. Yet in the learning here, but yet will love. The picture of your brother given you to occupy the space so lately left unoccupied and vacant will not need defense of any kind, for you will give it overwhelming preference, nor delay an instant in deciding that it is the only one you want. It does not stand for double concepts, though it is but half the picture and is incomplete. Within itself, it is the same. The other half of what it represents remains unknown, but it is not canceled out. And thus is God left free to take the final step himself. For this you need no pictures and no learning aids. And what will ultimately take the place of every learning aid will merely be. Forgiveness vanishes and symbols fade and nothing which the eyes have ever seen or ears have heard, remains to be perceived. A power wholly limitless has come, not to destroy, but to receive its own. There's no choice of function anywhere. The choice you fear to lose, you never had. 
Yet only this appears to interfere with power unlimited and single thoughts, complete and happy without opposite. You do not know the peace of power, <clears throat> peace of power which opposes nothing, yet no other kind can be at all. Give welcome to the power beyond forgiveness and beyond the world of symbols and of limitations. He would merely be, and so he merely is. Hmm. I like that. I mute myself. Um, I'm going to ask, I got to look, Deb and Susan to start us off on the discussion. Well, I have a question on 30. Well, in my book, it's 30. The first read, Jack, forgiveness is not yet a power known as wholly free of limits. For some reason, I'm not clear on what that means. I mean, where is it again? Um, Just tell me where it is again. I'm sorry. Um, on mine, it's, thir it's 32 for us. The forgiveness okay. is, yeah, it's the third sentence of 32. Yeah, yeah. And Jack, when you read that, you made a, a comment. You know, you just said I'm sorry, which, which sentence was it? Uh, yeah, the third sentence of 32. Forgiveness is not yet a power known as wholly free of limits. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thir it's 33 in mine. Um, <laughs> we're all over the board, aren't we? <laughs> <clears throat> reason I said that, forgiveness is not yet a power known as wholly a long discussion with my daughter yesterday. We get in discussions every now and then. It's it's really neat. She's she's so <laughs> But um, for, forgiveness is just one of those things that when it's done, when when we're when we're done having to forgive, it it opens up a whole new world. But forgiveness. <clears throat> I don't know. This is a long It's a long discussion for me, but um, but we we don't. I I don't always understand forgiveness until I actually face it, and I face it a lot of times in discussions that I have. But uh, I don't need to forgive because there never was anything to forgive. But because of my conflict and confusion and disillusion. I think there is. I think. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think there's something that needs to be forgiven. Okay, but until I get to the point where I realize that no, it doesn't need to be forgiven, I do not open myself up to receive understanding. Mm -hmm. And it's when I open myself up to receive understanding that I realize that I didn't really need to forgive because I just really didn't understand going on and I really need Holy Spirit to explain to me and open up to me what it is I'm not seeing and I'm not understanding and that's what I want to be willing to do because yeah. I'm not <laughs> quite frankly I catch myself a lot of times going God why do you were you way off play way off base because there was something I I didn't really understand mm -hmm. and I needed to and so sometimes I need forgiveness. I feel like we go back to that thing. Does that make any sense, Susan? Yeah, thank you, Jack. I like that sentence before that. Reality is ultimately known without a form, unpictured and unseen. To me, that, that really speaks a lot of volume, you know, because that's, that's the 
the true nature. That's our awareness. It's no crime. There's no judgment. It's a witness again. Dad. Oh, <laughs> uh, so in this whole section, um, it, you know, I'm just I'm, the point that um, it's me, it's me that wants to put limits on forgiveness. Um, 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 in that last paragraph, 34, oh, sorry about that, where it says, um, you do not know the peace of power which opposes nothing so it's kind of that's kind of that peace that passes understanding um you know that um yet there can be no other kind other than peace that ha that opposes nothing but truly that's all kind of peace it is so it's still that egoic me wanting to put limits if i'm not experiencing that overwhelming peace give welcome to the power beyond forgiveness Brian, I don't know if you remember what you were going to say on that last section, uh, but it seems like you were going to comment on something. I was just curious if you remembered what it was. I don't remember what it was, but there was something, I think it has to do with what we were talking about. Forgiveness is not yet a power known as wholly free of limits. The That paragraph, we're all getting crazy over chapter number 32. So that's the Holy Spirit make exchange of pictures possible in the time when aids are meaningless and learning done. It's a little bit like, listen, you little peons, why don't you use forgiveness now to figure out you don't even freaking need it? And that's, which I think is a really helpful perspective actually. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a learning aid. And uh, once learning aid has done its job, we won't need it anymore is kind of what it says. And I realize we probably have moments when we transcend this all the time. You know, someone bumps you or it's, it's one of the things we see as a smaller moment. And we just, the forgiveness is just pouring off of you without you even realizing how easy it's happening. And then, you know, you, you flex that muscle again and again and you get better and better at it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, um, that idea of it being a learning aid, I find that, that I notice my small moments of forgiveness, it helps me in the bigger ones. Mm -hmm. yeah like i've lifted mm -hmm. 20 pounds now i'm lifting 40 pound weights or whatever you know yeah. well thanks so much for sharing that i appreciate yeah. that <laughs> mm -hmm. okay i'm trying to look um susan quiet susan, yeah <laughs> quiet answer quiet answer in quietness are all things answered and is every problem quietly resolved in conflict, there can be no answer and no resolution, for its purpose is to make no resolution possible and to ensure no answer will be plain. A problem set in conflict has no answer, for it is seen in different ways, and what would be an answer from one point of view is not an answer in another light. You are in conflict. Thus it must be clear to you, it, thus it must be clear you cannot answer anything at all. Conflict has no, conflict has no effects. Yet if God gave an answer, there must be a way in which your problems are solved, for what he wills already has been done. Thus it must be that time is not involved, and every problem can be answered now. Yet it must also be that in your state of mind, solution is impossible. Therefore, God must have given you a way of reaching to another state of mind in which the answer is already there, such as the holy instant. It is here that all your problems should be brought and left. Here they belong, for here their answer is... And where its answer is, a problem must be simple and easily and be easily resolved. 
it must be pointless to attempt to solve a problem where the answer cannot be. Yet just as surely it must be resolved if it is brought to where the answer is. Attempt to solve no problems but within the holy and sincerity, for there the problem will be answered and resolved. Outside there will be no solution, for there is no answer there that could be found. Nowhere outside a single simple question is ever asked. The world can only ask a double question with many answers, none of which will do. It does not ask a question to be answered, but only to restate its point of view. All questions asked within this world are but a way of looking, not a question asked. A question asked in hate cannot be answered because it is an answer in itself. A double question asks and answers, both attesting the same thing in different form. The world asks but one question. It is this. Of these illusions, which of them are true? Which ones establish peace and offer joy? And which can bring escape from all the world is made? Whatever form the question takes, its purpose is the same. It asks but to establish sin is real and answers in the form of preferences. Which sin, which sin do you prefer? That is the one which you should choose. <clears throat> the others are not true. What can the whole, what can the body get that you would want the most of all? What can the body get? servant and your friend, but tell it what you want, and it will serve you lovingly and well. And this is not a question, for it tells you what you want and where to go for it. It leaves no room to question its beliefs, except that what it states takes questions form. Hmm. A pseudo-question has no answer. It dictates the answer even as it asks. Thus is all questioning within the world a form of propaganda for itself. Just as the body witnesses are but the senses from within itself, so are the answers to the questions of the world contained within the questions. Where answers represent the questions, they add nothing new and nothing has been learned. <clears throat> An honest question is a learning tool which asks for something that you do not know. It does not set conditions for response, but merely asks what the response will do. But no one in a conflict state is free to ask the question, for he does not want an honest answer where the conflict ends. Only within the holy instant can an honest question honestly be asked, and from the meaning of the question does the meaninglessness of the answer come. Here, is it possible to separate your wishes from the answer so it can be given you and also be received? The answer is provided everywhere, yet it is only here it can be heard. An honest answer asks no sacrifice because it answers questions truly asked. Questions of the world but ask of whom is sacrifice demanded, asking not if sacrifice is meaningful at all. And so unless the answer tells of whom, it will remain unrecognized, unheard, and thus the question is preserved intact because it gave the answer to itself. The holy instant is the interval in which the mind is still enough to hear an answer which is not entailed within the question asked. It offers something new and different from the question. How could it be answered if it but repeats itself? Therefore, attempt to solve no problems in a world from which the answer has been barred. 
but bring the problem to the only place which holds the answer lovingly for you. Here are the answers which will solve your problems because they stand apart from them and see what can be answered. What the question is. Within the world, the answers merely raise another question, though they leave the first unanswered. In the holy instant, you can bring the question to the answer and receive the answer that was made for you. Great. Okay, I'm going to unmute everybody in a moment. Um, let's see. Let's do the random drawing first. Susan. You'll be doing the closing prayer. So at 9.58 or 11.58, whatever time it is, two minutes before the hour, you get to do the closing prayer. Okay. For discussion, um, I'm going to ask the ladies, so if, you're, if you identify as female, to start the conversation. And you guys have a great day. I've got to go get Curie groomed. Right. Is so this going to close off at any time in particular? It no. should not. No, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna actually even leave me connected. I'll just be a. Um, see, I'll be where am I? Where am I? There I am. There I'll I just am. be a logo. Thanks. So, Bye. ladies, start off. <laughs> Susan, you want to go? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Uh, this is okay. I'm kind of on that paragraph forty-two. That last paragraph. Um, therefore, attempt to solve no problems. Um, on to the next sentence. Bring the problem to the only place which holds the answer lovingly for you. So I'm taking that as um, stop trying to figure some of these things out on my own and bring it to the Holy Spirit. Because I am not seeing it accurately, quite possibly. And, um, and so best... I think Jack, you did this earlier. It's just best to say, Holy Spirit, show me. You know, I don't see this from both sides. I'm not able to. So that's that's that quiet answer. Yeah, I mean, for me to stop trying to figure it out and give it to the Holy Spirit and ask to be shown, and I will. Mm -hmm. And it does say, you know, go ahead and bring your question. Mm -hmm. you know, bring your question, but realize that, you know, if there's question, that means there's choices. Right. And in reality, there are no choices. Mm -hmm. But because of our condition, mm -hmm. we have to bring, we bring it to the Holy Spirit and let him discern for us. Right. Or help us to discern why we're even asking the question. Right. Well, the questions okay. are, the answers are already been given to us. We just haven't discerned it yet. Thanks for that. Or Jack. we didn't like the answer. I think a lot of times we don't like yeah. the answer we're getting, and so we fight yeah. it for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Clarify. That clarifies a lot for me. Or we see the answer as unreasonable, so we run from the answer. We run from the answer we're getting over and over and over again. We block it or something. Because we, yeah, because we brought our will to it because we've been given will, and this is part of the, the difficulty, of course, is the journey to get from where your will wants to leave in to leave yourself free to God's will or. You know, I'm going to send you guys this thing that I have about decision making that I think really relates to this, and it's the St. Ignatius way of looking at things. I'll send it to you. I won't forget. Oh, Yay! Thank you. Yay. Love that. But I do like the very first sentence of the whole thing. I know I'm not a lady, so I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking. But <laughs> in, in, in quietness are all things answered, and is every problem quietly resolved? Um, and that reminds me of that gentle path we talked about earlier is that you know the noise of our world and the noise of our lives and this is even goes back when we didn't have cell phones carrying the world wide web in our hands but like 
that in the noisiness is usually where we make mistakes. There's no holy, there's no holy instant in noise. I mean, I guess there could be, but I'm not that evolved yet. No, <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> it's going back to that quiet mind. Yeah. Yeah. I think we know everything there is to know. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're just confused about what question we want to ask. Right? There are no questions. Uh, in my world, there is. <laughs> in thirty-seven, in thirty-seven, there's that sense. I highlighted it. It does not ask a question to be answered, but only to restate its point of view. Right. Which is, I think, like when you have your own idea of how something should go, and you just. You keep asking, but you're actually, you're not really asking. You're just asking for something to say what you wanted us to say. Yes. Uh -huh. right. I think what you said, Brian, was the noise. And the noise, where is it? If It's always in the head, right? right. Yeah, I'm more and more convinced to drop drop the head and drop into the heart. Mm -hmm. That's the only place that I've found that the silence is. And realize that's the source. And... Um, just more and more the head you fight with the mind you're going to lose you know it, it's been added a long time so drop into the heart yeah thanks what you were saying susan about it, it just everything's thoughts you know the, the all yeah. the thoughts that go on and mm -hmm. within the thoughts is not necessarily knowledge mm -hmm. um, you know, even even in our in the miracles, uh, that's that you can't necessarily find knowledge in miracles because miracles are helping you to to basically become aware of truth. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're saying. The mind, the mind is the thinking mind, and the thinking mind are thoughts. Now, thoughts in themselves are okay. Yeah. What gives them power, though, is our belief. When we attach a belief to them, then. Then you, 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 you get attachment and all kinds of weird shit going on. So. <laughs> well, very well stated. Mercy. Mercy. Anybody else have any other comments? <laughs> we do that closing prayer? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Dear God, thank you for the revelations, insight, and the learning that we have gained here this morning. Thank you for the wonderful blessings of this very special group. I thank you for your love and for teaching us love. Please remain in each of our hearts as we continue. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, you guys. You guys have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. Look for my email. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Right, Jack, you going to be at class tomorrow? Tomorrow. What is tomorrow? Wednesday. <clears throat> uh, no. No. I will not. I I actually have a a long day at work. 
tomorrow. So uh, I will be working till midnight. <laughs> that is a long day. Yeah. Like a long day. Yeah, you know, because in fact, the, the next two weeks is, is kind of iffy mm. on there, but at least I, I'll be there Sunday. Okay. Uh, yeah. The, well, no, I take that back. I may be there tomorrow. All right. I may be there because um, it looks like I was looking at the wrong, wrong time. Mm. But, Anyway, it's been kind of how things are going to be going with you. It's fine, yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever, you get a, whenever you get a break in your busy schedule, we'll, we'll do some of these honeydews over here. So whenever. You... <laughs> <laughs> what all you got going now? Besides that switch. No, I think it's the same stuff. You're going to do that. Uh, those weep holes or those uh, the oh. replace those things. Yeah. Around the perimeter. Yeah. 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 Um, are are you going to paint them, or are you wanting me to paint them? I don't think they need to be painted, do you? Well, I'm just saying I can get the I can get the primed, you know, the primed stuff, the wood that's primed. Is it being like it's going to be white? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're that's right. No, well, that's yeah. black stuff, isn't it? Okay, yeah, it's just natural, natural uh, white, natural slats woods. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you, that's right. I, I forgot. Because uh, what we need is those uh, those pieces to go down in there. Yeah. Uh, were we going to make that wood, or were we going to make that, that expansion material? Well, however it's going to best uh, seal it up. I've got the Terminix coming out for ants on Saturday. I got them far yeah. bit me bit me in the ear when I was asleep. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can't can't seem to kill the devil so well, where are they getting in at well that's what he's gonna have to figure out because i poisoned everything around the house that i could and uh i don't know you know maybe those things that were those that rotten stuff you know around the perimeter who knows might be underneath i may be on the on an ant bed you know How well, yeah that's interesting well, I, your, are your doors working all right up there the yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't, good. I don't know. How's your daughter doing? <clears throat> She's doing well. Um, and I found out that she uh, actually has some of the uh, what are those uh, what are those people that walk around neighborhoods and stop into houses and talk to people. Not the not the Mormons, but the other group. The Jehovah Witness. Jehovah Witness. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> she evidently um, has had some Jehovah Witnesses drop by before, and and I guess she's kept touch with them because uh, she invited them over to talk um, here this last week sometime, and that's kind of what we got into a discussion about, and um, because she, they were telling her things uh, about about God and Jesus and all, and. And it was right in line with the Course in Miracles, okay? <clears throat> but she was she was questioning it because of her studies in the Bible. Mm. And so the Bible doesn't exactly reveal everything. <clears throat> it puts it in such a way, and man has taken it and, and kind of formed it in a, in a way that he can justify 
you know, we've, we formulated things in a way that we can justify it and fit it into our everyday life. Mm-hmm. Well, our everyday life is not our true life. But if we take it and try and fit it into our daily lives, we will definitely mix it up. <laughs> and we will definitely misconstrue a lot of things and maybe not see everything as clearly as we need to. And, and that's what I guess this group was trying to help her with was give her a different perspective. And, and what she was telling me was pretty much right in line with what the course is saying. So it kind of surprised me a little bit, but, (laughs) but at the same time, I was really pleased that because really to me, it doesn't matter what group you're going to be a part of or anything like that. that. That membership stuff doesn't mean anything to me. <clears throat> I, I like to relate more to at least what I am open to in, in their respects to truth. Mm-hmm. And if it rings true to me, because I have so many things that did not ring true to me growing up and that I tried to conform to and, and I just couldn't. And I, until I got in the course, I didn't understand why I couldn't conform to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there were so many, you know, old time religious beliefs that were going around and, and and justifying that and everything that I just I could not I could not correlate the two, you know, between what I was seeing and what I was reading. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm so thankful for that because when the course came around, I was ready to receive understanding. <laughs> When, uh, at what age do you remember any of those spiritual or religious <coughs> teachings come to you? How old was your earliest memory? Because when I was younger, when I was a kid, I just heard them and tried to. How old were you? Uh, oh, probably. <clears throat> I don't know. I was, I was probably four or five. Yeah. If you, if you get it before seven, boy, those things can go really haywire in the little kid. Cause there's yeah. no filters in it. Uh, uh, man. <clears throat> but I'll tell you, honestly, I didn't really start taking them seriously until I probably got more. I, I didn't, I just, I, I didn't take them seriously. I mean, I, I felt like I was just, I looked back on it and I felt like I was just kind of learning or <clears throat> trying to absorb things and understand things up, up until, you know, junior high, high school type thing. And then, then I started taking a lot more notice that I really was confused. You know, I was conflicted. Uh, that uh, dominant programs that go in before they're six years old, those, uh, they have, uh, my experience is they have more weight, you know, because the you, you, you hear something, you know, or see something, and it it has more, um, I, I look at it like, kind of like atomic weight, you know. Yeah. Those, those experiences are burned so deep into the hard drive of your story of me and who, who I think I am. And then you layer them on top, these other ones that might, but the, but the first one's in, you know, it's like uh, <coughs> those are really hard to root out because yeah. they're so deep. They, you know, the deepest 
you know, I don't know how else to explain it, but it's well, good. Junior, junior high, high school time frame, and probably mostly high school, but uh, I started venturing into other churches and, you know, going to church just with other friends and getting experienced, you know, with the Holy Rollers and, and, and things like that and, and the Catholics and, and, and different groups. And, and it was like, <clears throat> there's a lot of difference in the way people view things. And some people are excited and some people are not, you know, and, and even my daughter yesterday was, was getting into this thing, but, but can't you, can't you get the, the excitement and, and everything out of the, the baptism, you know, the, and when I, when I explained to her how I've been baptized probably four or five times, and you know, and I just always joke about it, you know, as well, it just didn't take the first two or three or whatever. You know? Yeah, I knew it was a good bath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got dirty sense, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, her thing was the excitement of giving your giving your life to Christ. Yeah. You know. And and fortunately for me, I guess my life Italy in a, in a mountain stream and uh, and it was with a pastor that that counseled with me beforehand and and said now you know that this is not you know this is not what saves you you know that it's it's actually just your commitment to awaken you know to make your efforts toward awakening you know he didn't say it that way but I later <laughs> on I understood what 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 he was saying it was basically you're you're waking yourself to an awareness that you're you're deciding that you want to follow the life of Christ as if I really understood what that meant even then you know I didn't because my whole life had been skewed by that upbringing and I didn't know what it meant to follow the life of Christ uh, because to follow the life of Christ you know I think and maybe maybe many people have the same thought that I have is that if I follow this, the life of Christ, if I allow my life to be led by what I see as the life of Christ. Well, at the end, I'm going to be crucified. You know, <laughs> 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 and that did not sound very appealing. Yeah, so <laughs> put it. Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> Things didn't turn out too good for him in the end, did it? <laughs> well, it didn't seem like it did, but it, it yeah. actually was very meaningful. And then, yeah. it, and the crucifixion uh, really had real meaning. It was the resurrection. Though. Yeah, with the meaning behind it. Yeah, <clears throat> but we fo focus so much on the crucifixion, and so much was focused on the crucifixion in my growing up that that's the way I look at it. I thought, well, gee, you know, who wants to end up there? Uh, yeah, isn't that amazing how they focused on that cross and crucifixion, and completely, you know, where it should be the other way around. It's the redemption, like you said, and you know, but no, we we took the fear, we put we took the fearful thing to make it more fearful, so we can dig ourselves deeper into this fear hole, you know. Yeah, and it's to justify everything that we set up for control purposes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you look at it. <laughs> and and when I when I realized that and and understood that it 
it just turned me around totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good. I got that warm fuzzy going, okay, now it makes sense. You know, yeah, you can follow the life of Christ. You can strive to follow that and, and, and hope that it won't, at some point along the way, you're going to awaken, which we will. Um, but you just don't know how long it's going to take and perhaps even what lifetime it's going to be that you do that. But, uh, uh, and to me, it's irrelevant. It's just a matter of me moving in that direction. Listen, brother, I got to go take a whiz. I'm going to see you tomorrow night then. See you tomorrow. You froze up. Yeah. Okay, you're frozen. I don't see you. But anyway. Tomorrow night, and uh, and I'll definitely be there Sunday, so looking forward okay. to that. Uh, okay. I, find, I finally got. Uh, you're breaking up. I didn't hear you. Can you hear me? I hear you now. Okay, yeah, now I can too. Now, I went up yesterday and got signed up at uh, 24 Hour Fitness. Oh yeah, which one? Are, I'm a, that, I go to one of those two when I go. Yeah, yeah. No, no it's not twenty four. I go to you fit. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm not a very good. Yeah, it, I'm not a very good boy for him, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I get it under my Part B uh, uh, Medicare. It's uh, what what the Caring Care program calls Silver Sneakers. Oh, uh, you're part of it, and so I I get to go there free. Oh. And, uh, and so I signed up with them yesterday because they have a swimming pool. And uh, I, I like the swimming pool. Yeah, 24-hour uh, fitness. It's, it's, less, it's, it's, it's less of a burden on my knees and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Than it is to use my aerobics than it is to jog. Good. Part, you know, at least a little bit mm-hmm. for, uh, for just the spring in my step. I noticed that years ago. Yeah. Well, anyway, I will let you go. All right. I love you, brother. Have love you fun. too, brother. Talk See to you later. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.